Awesome, thank you very much. Okay, so our microphone today, Matt, uh, please introduce him. Uh, so Matt is co-founder of Akia Ninata. Um, he's also the fifth member of our JREC team and our uh, weekly podcast. Um, Matt loves everything rural, um, as you can tell by his appearance, his beard. He's also very much into Indian music. Um, he has he's a wealth of knowledge on stuff that, you know, I'm very much Tokyo-focused. Um, but you want to talk Inaka, goats, <laughs> and the music, that, that is, <laughs> that's his thing, yeah. So, um, let me hand over to uh, Matt Ketchum um, to talk to you about everything sort of rural and uh, Akio. Thank you, Matt. Uh, thanks, Emil. And before I begin, like I gotta say, in order of appearance with Emil talking everything that you mentioned, for example, with financing, uh, Blanca, what you were talking about with um, wallpaper and, and renovations and things like that, uh, uh, Ziv with um, you know looking at various types of due diligence and all of these things, and of course with Tracy uh, and how to use various types of properties. Like really, today what at least I kind of feel like we've been talking about is we really what boils down to options, right? And it's just really, I can't thank the four of you enough for putting this together and providing you, the people, with options, which you don't even have to use if you don't want to. But up until now, a lot of the time in, in real estate, be it, you know, run down abandoned stuff that I'm about to talk to you about, or, you know, high yield adjacent condos or things like that, there have been scarce options for people to pursue, and so it's it's really an honor to be here um, to contribute um, and participate in this event that I think at its core is giving everybody options, which is a great thing to have. Uh, so without further ado, I am Matt of Akia Inaka, and this title is entirely too um, serious sounding, I think, uh, but also true. Um, Akia aren't just like wild stories or anything like that, and I'm I have very few numbers for you today. Instead, I have anecdotes uh, about what you can do with them. But and first, a little bit of background. Also, all the pictures today were taken by yours truly. So um, this is me. I'm Matt. Hello. Uh, I've been here for about 10 years. And first up, just to get it out of the way, you would see that 311 tsunami survivor and blah, 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 blah thing. That's actually very important. It's a very long story. But that very long story made extremely short is I was in Miyako, a city of, uh, of an Iwate prefecture, which is where the tallest wave was on 311, 12 years ago or whatever. Um, so that got all screwy. But in the post-tsunami uh, kind of recovery period, three friends of mine started something called the Tohoku Lifehouse Daisaksen. And this is exactly where my interest in Akia starts. Uh, because what they did is, after everybody gets food and shelter and heat and clothing and all that stuff, you know, what do you do? Uh, there was no place for people to have fun or anything like that. And so with this thing that they began called the Tohoku Lifehouse Daisaksen is they were able to identify still standing, albeit damaged, but structurally sound buildings and convert them into, using wreckage, uh, convert them into functional uh, concert spaces for the people to go to and, you know, have fun. And that, to me, kind of lit a fire of, holy shit, you did what with that? And from then, it's always been just kind of this pursuit of, you know, reusing and repurposing standing structures and really just existing kind of anything. But I think, you know, property is kind of a big ticket item 
So that's interesting. But um, yeah, my whole interest in Nokia really comes from the fact that in the middle of, or immediately after a massive, massive, massive disaster, people were able to use what would otherwise be looked at as kind of useless and just get rid of it sort of things and use those in extremely positive and constructive manners. So that's sort of some background. Anyway, uh, as Emil said, I'm Matt Ketchum, like the Pokemon master. Which is kind of sounds like. I'm also the account manager for Parthenon Japan, which is a PR and government relations firm based out of Omote uh, Sando. I'm the CEO of Shinka Labs, which is a market entry firm for international IT organizations coming into the Japanese market. Uh, also, an independent business consultant as MK Ultraman, which I think is a hilarious portmanteau of the MK Ultra experience or experiments of the 1960s, if you're familiar with those, and Ultraman from Japan. Uh, and then also the founder of Kala Music, which is a weird sort of thing, but right now kind of functions as a uh, international music tourism service for both bands as well as fans of underground, mostly heavy metal. Um, to come from outside of Japan and into the country to experience the wealth of independent music, mostly, again, on the extreme side of things that are, exist here in Japan. All right, so we've got this whole depopulation problem and rural revitalization thing uh, that's been going on for a while right now. Uh, I think probably since about 2013 is when rural revitalization with two capital R's became kind of a talking point. And it's a nice talking point, I like it, but, you know, the, what is it, the path to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, and so, after a number of years of dealing with, or not dealing with, participating in um, various efforts uh, for this rural vitalization stuff, uh, some stuff is happening, some good stuff, you know, not enough. Um, and after a while, that got to be a little bit frustrating, let's say. Um, and so, with Aki and Inaka, uh, right around the, well, in fact, right when the coronavirus happened, I had been researching Akia um, as a means of pursuing this rural revitalization stuff. Uh, and then the coronavirus came out, and a bunch of people approached me and said, Oh my god, I need to go to Tokyo, I don't know what to do with it. And I said, Well, if you'd like, do you have 60k? And then they said, Yeah. And so then we got going, and that's really how this started. But really, what it comes down to is Akia are not just property, they're not just real estate, they're not just plots of land with buildings on them, they're part of communities, they're part of ecosystems, specifically. Um, and being able to re-energize those and see the synergies that exist between people, that exist between neighborhoods, that exist between, at some point, governments, um, that's the thing that gets other stuff moving, right? It's not just saying, hey, you over there, go buy that thing, okay, see you later. Um, being able to support that whole cycle, that whole, again, ecosystem, is what we believe at Aki and Inaka is what's required for this whole world revitalization thing. And being able to identify the spots where it's reasonable to expect that positive progress can be achieved within a short period of time, which is a little bit of a, kind of hear everything to talk about. Um, but anyway, that's sort of our end of Moving on. Um, the problem with Aki is that rural real estate kind of doesn't sell a lot, right? 
or at least that's the understanding, let's say. Uh, and I'm sure, well, we already talked about 20% commission today. This is hugely problematic, not in that it's a bad model, but it's a, or a bad model in general, it is a bad model for what rural real estate is. For metro area, again, MEC condos for multi-million dollar houses and things like this, the standard model for real estate in Japan works pretty well. I'm sure it can be improved, but you know, it's not awful. Uh, but the fact of the matter is it incentivizes very high, well, maybe not extremely high, but you know, high enough price properties and you know, okay, you do due diligence, you do all the work, you make the sale, you get your three percent, which on a million bucks, you know, isn't bad. But fifty thousand, not really worth it, right? And so this bleeds into a whole lot of other issues that affect the Akia ecosystem. Uh, specifically is this data infrastructure and fractured data sets thing. Because of this, there's it's quite the opposite of what Tracy was talking about. The juice is not worth the squeeze whatsoever. <laughs> No data sets are updated. There's a bunch of null sets. Um, and so in various databases for real estate, especially for Akia, there will be a listing. Technically speaking, a listing is entered, but there's no data regarding it. has a property number, a price, and then maybe a, a, a prefecture that it exists in. No photography, no precise address, no anything else. And so, what's that? Not even that. Right, often enough. That happens often enough, right? So how the hell are you? Then nothing happens. So they just end up not caring. 
Um, and so there's many other reasons, right? But these are some of the main ones. Ah, so this is an Nokia right here. This is this is one of the horror stories, right? This is a little while. This is a hoarder house. This was disturbing. Um, but this is the story of Akia, or at least the story that is communicated, which is to say not the whole story, right? But you've heard about the, what is it, the uh, Jiko Bukken, and the, you know, murder houses, and they're haunted, and hoarders, they, you know, all that stuff. Um, completely outside of the realm of livability. This, that, the other thing, the $500 house thing that came out last year that really pissed me off, because um, it, it paints this picture, right? And it's sensationalist, it's kind of this Robinson Crusoe sort of thing of, you know, go on top of a mountain, go off the grid, never see anybody again, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And the fact is, sometimes, in fact, a lot of the time, this is true. Akia are not this thing that you've been told are X, but in fact, miraculously, are Y. No, I'd say probably about 85%. They're not worthwhile. The thing is, though, they've got scale, right? They've got quantity. There are numbers out there. Like I said, 6.48 million is the bare minimum. I suspect it's somewhere around 15 to 16 million nationwide. So there's one narrative. But then there's another narrative, right? This is Nokia 2. Uh, this was built in uh, 1995 in the Chiba Prefecture near Kujukuri. Uh, it is a 10 SLDK. Uh, it, is <laughs> uh, it, was built, it was built for 240 million yen in 1995 and is on the market right now for 60 million yen. Uh, it has 350 square meters of building space over two floor, floors and 4,995 meters of, the, the, of land, right? Um, oh, it was also built by a licensed temple architect, <laughs> right? Um, it's, it can, you know, there's some stuff, some work that can be done a little bit, right? Um, but it's damn near pristine, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, oh, this is one of our licensed architects that we come in. He's not doing the building inspection right now, he's doing the land inspection. There were some issues with drainage that we were concerned about. So we had him drill down about 20 meters in order to get to the, uh, what, the watershed and see what was up. Um, this is a good one. <laughs> Amazing, right? And this is some, damn it, I can't fix that now. Um, this is the other part of the story, right? That's maybe, I don't know, negative sensationalism or sensational sensations, there we go, seem to catch on more than positive ones. Um, the fact is, this thing is about 15 minutes from a station that itself is about 20 minutes from Kujukuri Beach. Uh, it, so that's desirability adjacent, frequently this happens. Like, for example, if you want to go up to uh, Karuizawa, they're all okay there too. They're usually pretty pricey, honestly kind of shitty. But it's kind of nice out and everybody loves it. The thing is, if you go like 10 minutes outside of Karuizawa, but right next door to it, and you can kind of still say, I'm more or less in Karuizawa, things get way cheaper and way more accessible. And so having that adjacentness to the hotspots is one thing, not the only thing, but one way to pursue these. Um, additionally, this kind of is an, well, maybe it is a good example. Um, is even if it's kind of a fixer-upper, if it's solid foundation and you go into the, the offer and the potential purchase, knowing that, okay, I'm buying it for cheap, but you know, it might be an additional 10 million, 20 million, or whatever, 
if you have that uh, project scope more or less determined as you begin that or begin the pursuit of it, well, you can kind of manage your expectations. You know what you're going to get yourself into. Frequently, that's what happens with Akia. You just get a bunch of people running at something saying, oh, here, take some money. I'm sure it's great. Fine, whatever. And then, you know, the plumbing doesn't work or you know, the, just the horror story after horror story ends up happening, which is not the best way to, like, dazzle your clients. Um, again, massive price variation. We've worked with the cheapest thing we sold is 3.3 million yen. And the most expensive we've worked with was 1.4 Oku. So you've got a huge range of, of, uh, of price variation, right? Um, and then also, interestingly enough, like there's the whole historical aspect. Whether or not you wanna, you're curious or interested in doing that is another question, but the fact is there's a lot of interesting things that are out there that in addition to just being functional or viable properties, be it a home, be it an Airbnb, be it something that well, I'll get to it a little bit later. Short-term rentals, things like that. There's also, I mean, gee, it's kind of neat, <laughs> right? Which kind of brings me to another point, what's my next slide? I made this last night at like 1.30, so, oh, we'll get to the rock and roll, hold on. Uh, well, no, we'll get to it now because I forget what I was gonna say. <laughs> um, but here's the thing, and actually Tracy was getting into this, is, so there's, there's the whole, do you live there? Is it an Airbnb? You know, I mean, there's any number of use cases for, or I'm sorry, short-term rental. Thank you. Um, there, there's a lot of use cases. It's easy to think about short-term rentals. It's easy to think about houses, second houses, best sales, vacation houses, whatever. But what we're really interested in is using them as platforms for promotional experiences for particular areas. Right? And that's where the whole experience curation thing comes in, and being able to advise clients on this. Um, there's a lot that you can do, and there's a lot that we have done, and there's a, even more that we've seen, and I've got some examples for you. This is in Otani at an abandoned hotel. Uh, 17 stories, the showers weren't working, the, literally I got into the room and there was, like I had, you know, I, I didn't bring it with me, but they had, you know, a paper of all the things that were broken. Please don't use the showers in your room because the pipes are rusted through kind of stuff. Um, but it was still kind of livable, and certainly for a music festival, it worked well enough. Um, so that's down in Atami. Uh, over in Numazu, uh, using untended uh, campgrounds. They had the unofficial version. This is all this year, by the way. Uh, the unofficial version of Burning Man, incidentally called Burning Japan, which I don't think is the best name. <laughs> but we'll get to the marketing stuff later. That, that, that comes, right? Um, and then up in Togakushi and Nagano, there was uh, a uh, extreme metal festival that I went to uh, at a repurposed warehouse. I mean, this is only three one that I can fit in one slide. Um, but this is sort of the music promotion stuff that you can do. Additionally, uh, as I'm exploring these rural areas and going to uh, various Aki and stuff, I'm taking a whole lot of video, a whole lot of photography and things, and I'm able to recut that into music videos for independent bands here in Japan, which is cool for two reasons. Number one, it's a music video for an independent Japan in Japan. That's kind of, you know, my, my not my forte, my, uh, something I'm interested in, right? But number two is if you, if you create it correctly and tag it correctly with metadata and whatnot, it also kind of becomes a promotional video for the local region, um, which is something, you know, Odawara never thought that they would have a heavy metal video, but they do now. <laughs> um, 
Um, so there's a whole bunch that you can do with music regarding Akia. Um, additionally, there's a whole lot of outdoor stuff. This is me up in Gunma uh, in, where am I? Takasaki, right? Um, over in Minami Bolso in Chiba, somebody bought up a number of different Akia uh, all along the, you know, kind of the famed coast that has turned those into short-term rentals. Mostly catering, <laughs> Uh, mostly catering towards, uh, as you know, I said, surfers and things like that. Uh, this Takasaki one, that's, that's this picture right here. Um, this was an interesting, this is what we, uh, we um, identified a property that was actually the ex-resident of the, the mountains, temples, head priest that was an Akio. Um, and so we ended up being able to get that and turning it, well, it's still in the process, but converting it into kind of a mountaineering escape. Um, and then there's Yubawara, where I always talk about, this is where the goats are. Um, uh, there are workaway programs for people, mostly in the IT industry, uh, who need access to pretty high uh, bandwidth um, internet connections, uh, but who are also interested in uh, um, kind of, not necessarily becoming farmers, but like myself, want to get their hands dirty really are very interested in goats and this, that, and the other thing. Um, so the outdoor opportunities that are available uh, to create via Akia are really quite extensive. Um, there's also a whole bunch of IT and gaming stuff uh, that we've been seeing recently in Minakami. Um, this was an amazing story. I saw them start their project and then also them finish it. Really a pretty major fixer-upper. That they did an excellent, excellent job doing. One thing I was not aware of, though, is that they were really into gaming, uh, and so this corporate retreat that they they created also ended up, ended up having just a really outstanding esports um, kind of experience associated with it. So they've been marketing that quite successfully. And then down in Manazuru uh, last year, yeah, last year. Uh, we did our test run, anyway, of the Digital Creative Conference um, in an abandoned warehouse that actually also adjacent to it had uh, just an Akia, like, abandoned house that was repurposed into a, um, what do you call it, like a pop-up kitchen kind of thing, um, which was great. There was a, a cafe that was um, kind of doing their thing there. So those are things that you can do, but then, you know, along with accommodations, you can't just say, hey, come on over and have a good time. Like, you need to sort of dig down and be able to deliver a viable product for particular categories of, of client, right? You can't, you know, just try to get, every, as Tracy said, I think, what was it? If you try to do everything for everyone, you will actually get nobody to do anything, right? Um, and actually, via the work in, uh, that I've done, especially with, oh wait, that's the next slide. Um, these are various things. Internet connectivity is huge for me, but if you don't pay attention to this stuff, you're, you might not fail, but you certainly won't do spectacularly. And I see this a lot in rural communities and the businesses, uh, be it Akia or not, is there tends to be a mindset of kind of like what, you know, well, if it's good enough for me, then it's good enough for anybody. Which, again, is technically true, sort of, but if you really want to knock it out of the park um, and get repeat customers, lower the amount of work that you yourself as a business owner or somehow representative of the local community that you need to do to do good work, then all of these considerations and many more are, 
extremely important. I think an interesting one for families is beds versus tatami, because parents, especially Japanese parents, tend to think that tatami, or I'm sorry, futon, are much safer for younger children. They can't fall off, right? And so if you're marketing towards families, but you have a bunch of beds, they might think twice and end up not staying with you. Um, so these are really just suggestions, you know, that I'm talking about. Um, and then additionally, food is extremely important, especially coming from the underground extreme music scene. There's a lot of vegans and vegetarians and pescatarians and people who will eat this and not that, which is great, but if you can't accommodate them, they're not going to touch you, right? Especially, doubly so, if you say that you can accommodate them, but actually don't know how to do that. I can count the number of times, this is a huge uh, point of, that I did not list, actually, accessibility. Which is to say, 
Akia, and everything that everybody here tonight has been talking about, it's about options, right? It's not about should you do it. Well, no, that's up to you. But if you're the type of person who enjoys, like me, I'm kind of an out there guy, right? Akia are just a wild adventure. Um, that if you want to go do it, don't let the metro kind of mindset, don't even let your job or whatever, lock you into the thing that you always do, even if it's just for weekends, even if it's just once a month, or maybe never because you don't want to do it. But the fact is, there are so many choices and options and providers out there that can facilitate you going out and doing the thing that you always wanted to do but never thought was possible. It fucking is. You can do it. I've done it. We've all done it. <laughs> How, was that like 10 minutes or? It's only 4.06 now. We have 24 minutes left. Okay, not bad. Um, yeah, questions? within different communities, how have the communities responded and how have you worked with the communities when you have come to those spaces? Uh, usually they're coming to us, so we don't, we don't go out and try to you know, convince people. Um, I mean, kind of, maybe I hope that came off and what I was saying is, if you want to do it, then do it. And we're really about, in this sense, kind of low-hanging fruit. Um, if there's resistance or difficulty or you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, like, maybe you're not ready yet, right? I don't want to waste my time on that. And so right now, there's two uh, spots, one in Nagano Prefecture and then another in um, some rural communities uh, that we're working with um, and spinning up, you know, what's what's going on with the Akia specifically? What type of Akia? Are they only Beso? Are they, you know, vacation house? Are they proper Akia? Are they resorts that have been abandoned? This type of information is rarely, rarely available in the uh, municipal government offices sometimes, but almost all the time, it's not even online. And so all that anybody knows is, oh yeah, I keep driving past that ugly building, but I don't know what's up with it. Most of it hasn't even been digitized, right? Um, I'm also working with a number of international uh, kind of creative communities. They're a little bit mm, slower, um, not in a bad sense, but just by um, the nature of, of what they're looking to do. Yeah, 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 right. Um, they, I mean, they, like I said, they come to us generally, and so if they're coming... Right, right. Members of the local community who usually have some kind of unofficial organization that they've put together that has charged themselves with figuring out what the hell do we do. Right. So they want you to help them to actually for selling Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, a big part of which obviously is the Akia thing. So. so if somebody was looking to purchase Akia and don't know what they do, what, what they actually want or how they want it, so they would hire you, they tell you what they want, they hire you, and you do the scouting for Oh, yeah, them. yeah, yeah. That's, um, and that's also a bit different part of our business model. We charge everything up front, we get paid, and then we do work. Because, um, like I was saying, with the real estate model, at three percent commission, and, and just your average—not even have, even a great agent—will look at a super cheap property and say, "Why would I do that? It, it doesn't make any sense." And so, part of the different business, the new business model that we had to develop in order to actually move Akia 
is introduce new payment structures. Um, and so we get paid upfront for all of the detective work, all of the due diligence, all of that research. And then once we've determined with our client, you know, they say, okay, I understand what it is that you're, you've put in front of me. I think I want to go through with this. Uh, let's do it. Then we pass it off to our, our uh, partner agency in order for them to facilitate the actual purchase. Do you ever have a place where the local community just is so strongly opposed to no. No. Well, what do you, uh, no, because we don't work with those. <laughs> those exist. Yes. Right. Right. And I mean, you know, sometimes I won't give any specific names, but it definitely happens that a client, you know, they'll specify, I want this area, and you know, this, that, and the other thing, and we go in there, we do the research, we find some stuff, and then we talk to the agents, we talk to the municipality, and it just for whatever reason, they're being difficult. Um, and we say, look, there's probably something right next door that's just as good and fits all the parameters. Why bother chasing after this one? Question online. Oh, sorry. Please. Yes, Geneviève Chen asks, I would imagine that since agents won't bother selling Akia, that it would be difficult to get a loan from banks to finance a purchase of an Akia. How do you finance your investment costs uh, and uh, reform, repair, refurnishing, etc. that finance? Uh, those are two different financing. So, I mean, there's basically renovation um, loans that you can get and then purchase loans that you can get. If anything's under about 10 million yen, a bank will just doesn't care about Aki or not, it's just entirely too low for them to do anything. Usually you can get higher renovation budgets, um, or renovation loan, rather, loans, rather, and then within that there's ways to kind of work that out and, you know, what percentage of it goes over towards the actual purchase, what percentage actually goes over towards the renovation. Um, it's doable, most purchases are in cash, right? Could you maybe go a little bit more into uh, the business model? Um, I'm curious kind of what, what your various income streams are and the scalability uh, of, of your business model. Right now it's pretty blunt force, actually, uh, by necessity. We're working on digitizing stuff, but the fact is this, what we sell is difficult to get our hands on in the first place because it hasn't been digitized. Um, so we basically, it's a pretty simple three-step model. Step one is commissioned research. Um, you tell us what specifically what you're looking for. We go out and find it. That's through both public and private uh, databases. That's through local communities. Um, that's through municipal governments that we integrate with um, and figure out, first of all, is your ask even reasonable? Not even reasonable. Is it even real? Does it exist? Um, from there, and so we produce portfolios. That's starting at uh, 200,000 yen for a portfolio of five uh, vetted properties. From that portfolio, clients, you know, they say, oh, okay, of the five, I like this, this, and this. Well, let's go out and check them out. Um, so visitations, that's also when we end up bringing out our Shio Shoshi to integrate with the local government offices, which is like CSI, watching them walk in there in their suits, just like, give me the papers. Where are the papers? Is riveting. <laughs> um, but that's 
also us running basically defense for our clients who we drive out in person. That's 120,000 yen per day, which includes gas and kind of the fact that we're out for a day and can't do anything else. Um, yeah, so that's basically us being buyer's representative. Because also, too, Emil, I'm sure that you've seen, well, I'm sure everybody has seen, if you as an individual go into, especially in a rural area, and you get through to an agent, they're probably going to assume that you're the one who's doing the negotiation. You can't bring in another person after you've already started this. Which is a very dangerous place to put yourself if, even if you're completely in, like, the most fluent person in Japanese in the world, you're not a trained real estate expert. <laughs> or a shihoshoshi. There's going to be things that you don't understand. And so you're putting yourself into a bit of a difficult spot if you are representing yourself as a non-professional. Um, so that's the second phase, and then the third phase is, is brokerage, where we throw, you know, we do the visitation, we can do the due diligence, we confirm, we do and the past pictures inspections, confirm that it's a sound structure, confirm that the land is, you know, level and isn't going to sink. It looks okay by every possible way you can look at it, then, okay, let's buy it. And that's when we hand it over to our uh, real estate agent client, SDK Properties. They take their 3% cut. We do localization, um, various hand-holding, translation, and things on our site. And so we also take an additional 2% fee on top of the sale price for a grand total of 5% on sale price. And then from there, with post-purchase, uh, we basically, if you need a gardener, if you need renovations, if you need carpet, we have a network and we're happy to just throw them your way so that you can actually make your dream come true. Online. Thank you. Here, uh, Chikako Nakajima Magen herself asks, uh, before you apply for an Akia, how do you find out if local culture and people are suitable for you except for just going and exploring the local area. Going and exploring the But probably, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really the point. Too. We're not in, I mean, we get paid, right? That's because we're doing services. But the fact is, we're, we're not in this for the cat. We're in this, there's untapped resource. There's an entire country full of these things, right? We, and I've been, we've all been working, but me and my business partner in particular have been, you know, working with local for over a decade now and trying to get things spun up, right? And it seems to us that of all the possible resources out there, Akio are that nascent infrastructure, that seed from which everything else can kind of bloom. I don't know if that's too flowery of a um, uh, metaphor. Um, and because, like, that's what we do. We're not, I, I don't want to talk to somebody who has a bad idea about I'm gonna make sure that the thing that they're looking at, not only is that structure sound, but their experience in the purchase process as well as after it is exactly what it needs to be to be for them to have a good time. So go there by yourself and look at it. Yeah, and you know, honestly, that's you know, a hotel stay away, and you know, we get that's also where we get a lot of our promotional footage and, and, and um, photography and other other kind of media from, and so. The entire kind of give and take of the whole business is really about getting exposure for these rural communities that otherwise kind of don't have all that much. So when you go and explore one of these areas of properties, do you also try to make clients an idea of why 
Yeah, um, Yugo Mora is a really good example of this. I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of the local onsen magnates and whatnot, and restaurateurs up there. Um, same thing over with Fujino and Ueda in Ohara um, in Yamanashi. Um, and various spots, you know, being able to say, and again, I'm, I'm referencing Tracy a lot. I feel like I should be referencing other people more. Apologies for that. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it is this, you know, here, don't stay at that, well, maybe don't say don't stay at that hotel, but give good recommendations on the ryokan and onsen and things like that, and the restaurants, and how to get there, and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And really hold their hand, right? Because, and, you know, I don't know if it's just adults generally don't like to think that they don't already know everything, but when you're getting into a place that you're completely unfamiliar with, that somebody else is familiar with, who is like on your side, generally listening to them is a good idea. Otherwise, you're just gonna be bumbling around, like trying to figure out what's going on and probably not being that successful. So again, a big part of exploring these communities is finding out what the good stuff is. So just curious, how do you uh, screen potential buyers? Because I imagine a lot of the narratives are people who want to be off the grid, people who want to be the next Niseko or the next revitalization company. Uh, is there a criteria for you and your company? I wouldn't call it a criteria. It's, it's kind of easy, at least at this point, to sort. Like I mentioned the $500 thing. If that comes in, I mean, we'll politely say, oh, well, actually. Um, and actually, I don't think I mentioned this. Generally, and kind of our advice is usually with Akia, you want to at least budget probably about five million yen for the purchase, minimal. It can go below that, it can definitely go above it, but for a minimal, like an MVP, in for example, uh, Achiro, which is one stop down from Atami, between five and six million yen, historically, we have seen viable one to two person houses that are on the market. Um, on top of, well, yeah, starting with that, right? So there's obviously the price, um, there's a certain dreamer element that is relatively easy to sort of identify, uh, but I mean, we don't, it's, it's not so much screening, it's a, it's a matter, well, I mean, I guess it is screening, but it's a matter of really determining, regardless of what it is you're looking for, is it a realistic, is, are your expectations within the realm of the universe of possibility, and if they're just completely sort of, again, fantastical and Robinson Crusoe living on a desert island and surviving off of snakes or whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> that usually is a non-starter. Well, I mean, that's, that's one. In fact, we didn't normally, we didn't originally do that. We originally said, okay, you know what? You can pay after the job's done. But then guess what happened? Somebody didn't fucking pay. <laughs> so we said, oops, I guess we're gonna make you pay up front now. Um, so yeah, that's, and I mean that too, that is part of the screening process. So if you're not willing to put up, you know, 2,000 bucks, you're not serious. I mean, because we we've worked with people who are looking for not 500, but really, really cheap properties, but they understand that they're still, no matter what, they're paying our fee. Right? And also, yeah, and so if that money comes in, sure, we can do something cheap for you, but it's still going to cost you enough to get us engaged. 
What have been the most successful businesses that you've seen come out of these kind of properties? Have they been more retreats, like short-term rentals, or perhaps something like a destination that people go to? Is there a particular industry or niche that you think would really, really suit this kind of property? Um, personally, I, I, I'm really excited by retreats um, and share houses specifically. Uh, that model is very interesting. The Mimpaku, right? Sharehouse will be Mimpaku and niche ones. Um, so there's a spot out in Tachikawa that I am uh, checking, I'm staying with right now, one of the few places that I stay, in order to kind of learn their approach to what it is they're up to. They're specifically focused on touring musicians and what the needs of international touring musicians, not, not domestic, right? And so, for example, that includes like large open space kitchens, right? And, you know, this and that, the other, usually beds, right? Not, not tatami rooms or, or futon, this, that, and the other thing. Um, in other spots, there are share houses that are more catered towards, uh, you know, um, what digital nomads who are looking to get their hands dirty on farms. That's down in Yuga Wado. Um, up in uh, Uedo Hara, there's an excellent spot that is straight up agriculture, like if you want to get into that. And so the ones that really excite me are those that kind of hone in on a very specific sort of thing. Um, but on top of that, especially along the Shonan coast, so probably from between about, uh, what is it, Chigasaki and Odawara, there's a lot of middle-aged Japanese women who are buying up, from Tokyo, who are buying up usually between like eight and 10 million yen houses, renovating them a little bit and then converting them into basically like arcade, like two week short-term rentals, um, which to me is just awesome because that's enterprising women from Tokyo getting out there and actually starting their own businesses. Uh, I, I would be remiss to not mention the Wi-Fi thing, something that one problem that I have seen in a lot of these otherwise well-established and very functional um, share house type situations is it seems to be very common for network uh, maintenance and network administration to just completely not be considered, which makes it a non-starter, at least for somebody who's in IT. Um, so I'd say those two are um, the most promising, but there's, yeah, there's, I mean, there's any number of kind of approaches that you can take to it. there's opportunity to connect uh, people that would like to come from other countries. I don't know who your usual clientele is, where they come from, but for example, Southeast Asian countries uh, that would see an Akiya and it would look like a palace and you don't really have to improve it at all. You just got to bring the person from where they're at to the Akiya. Uh, I'm curious if, if you see an opportunity. Uh, there is, we work on it. Uh, it's, it involves visas. Um, and in order to get those visas issued, you have to be a business investor. Um, and so, again, with Airbnb or short-term stays, or even just starting your own business out of an Akia, you need, and you're not living here, because legally, you can buy whatever you want, from wherever you want, from wherever in the world you want that Japanese real estate. That's possible. Managing it, however, 
is another story. Usually you at least need a Japanese bank account, if not actually a Japanese registered uh, 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 corporation. And so that is additional cost, right? There is, I mean, bare minimum of five million yen paid in capital for a KK, um, plus, you know, set up costs. And we facilitate clients doing this as well, but it usually takes about six months. Um, and once you're able to get the paperwork in order to establish your own corporate yeah, corporation, that's when you can start issuing visas for it to be the Torishimari uh, Yaku, right? So there is an opportunity for immigration, but it's definitely not straightforward and it's definitely not quick or cheap. Um, so usually it's for more moneyed investors, uh, more moneyed international investors are able to do that. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much for that.